welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. Holy Gospel according to John, the 14th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated and welcome uh, today on what would, on an ordinary uh, year, have been Bucking Horse Sale Weekend. Welcome also to not only you seated socially distanced here in the nave, but also to those connected by virtual platforms, Facebook and our webcast and Zoom, and or we'll be listening perhaps to today's podcast in the days to come. All of this is to remind us that we are indeed connected by invisible links and virtual bonds, unimaginable even a few short years ago. We are quite literally together, despite the fact that thousands of miles separate some of us. We have those who are watching, I know, this morning in Texas. We have others, childhood friends of mine, who are watching this morning in Ohio and other places as well. We gather after weeks of limited and limiting worship services today as the faithful who come together to celebrate not only the word, but also the sacraments for the first time after the sacrament of the altar's absence among us. As the church enters now its third millennium, the bride of Christ suddenly has new questions to answer. Questions about what it means 
to be the church and what it means to worship God. As the next thousand years plays out, there will need be answers to questions that simply could not have been asked only a few short years ago. And among those questions, what does it mean to be the church in the digital age? Last week, I read a rather wonky publication. It's called First Things. First Things was created by a Lutheran pastor turned Roman Catholic theologian named Richard John Newhouse. Newhouse first identified and gave name to the late 20th century phenomenon of removing all references to God from public life. Newhouse uh, identified this emerging uh, pattern and practice, and he called it the naked public square. Perhaps some of you remember the removal of the Ten Commandments from the courthouse lawn, the elimination of prayer in schools, and the renaming of Christmas and Easter into the winter and spring whatever or even seeing God as the source of our unalienable rights replaced by the authority of the state. The article in First Things was intriguingly titled A Wafer-Thin Practice. Author and professor Hans Borsma began his brief reflection on these days in which we are living by asking a very provocative question. Is the church a voluntary association of like-minded individuals or the real body of Christ into which we are incorporated? In his opening, the author went on to observe that an emphasis on the individual and very common in our shared experience these days, an emphasis on the individual and their truth in large swaths of modern thought certainly leans towards one understanding of the church. Moreover, emerging technology serves to reinforce only one view where there exists this pervasive attitude that everyone is entitled to their own thing, their own way of seeing every matter. Associations ought to be voluntary, therefore, and confined to only like-minded individuals. Well, Borsma acknowledged that the tension in this question was nothing new. Our recent shared experiences with things like social distancing and self-quarantining, along with something made possible by technology, makes rethinking the definition of the church timely and important. One question that will need be addressed is that of a a new practice 
that has emerged in the church. It has been called virtual communion. Okay. Virtual communion, an emerging practice for the next generation of theologians who follow me to struggle with, I suspect. Virtual communion has come to mean that while the words and the manual acts associated with uh, communion physically happen in one place, in other places, people with their own elements, bread and wine, can validly participate in that holy communion. In reflecting upon the new normal, it is good to appreciate that the question of how to understand the church, that question itself is not really a new question. In the 1800s, a German reform pastor, John Nevin, was critical of the revivalism of his day, observing that such movements were, in his words, private and individual, and always, necessarily to the same extent, unsacramental. And in criticizing Calvinism, Dutch reformed theologian Abraham Kuyper rejected the then popular liberty of conscience as it was called, on the grounds that it, quote, enables every man to serve God according to his own conviction and the dictates of his own heart. Both these men were concerned about the inversion of the relationship between church and believer, placing the believer's opinion above the church's teachings and the church's doctrine. If you will, a remaking of God into their own image and likeness. Again, the question of the day. Is the church a voluntary association of like-minded individuals? Or is the church the real body of Christ into which we are incorporated? Among the efforts to maintain churches during the present pandemic, responses have ranged and varied greatly. They have ranged from simply shutting down, we're out of business until further notice, or to outright civil disobedience. Political officials have made profound and broad sweeping pronouncements effectively suspending what the heretofore thought to be God-given rights of people in this country would be. Now, we ourselves, in our experience, have employed new ways to remain connected. And we have discovered along the way and in the process, happily, that we have reached for the first time literally thousands of others. While sadly, at the same time and in that process, we must admit lost certain important elements of community that we know together. And so this morning my intention is, is not to decide whether one understanding is right and another understanding is wrong, but to reflect from the perspective of a sacramental tradition on two aspects of the myriad challenges now facing congregations. What is the church in the digital age and the question of virtual communion. North American Lutheran Church Bishop Daniel Selbo, in consultation with the denomination's theologians, 
have offered the following guidance for all congregations of the North American Lutheran Church during these days. And he's a bishop, so you have to understand the sentence I'm about to read you is 119 words long. Uh, But uh, it is the present council that, for the sake of the unity of the North American Lutheran Church and the greater church Catholic, for the purpose of allowing our own NALC ministerium the time to think and pray through the implications pro and con of this significant change in practice and for the greater purpose of ensuring that our witness to the world of the saving power of Jesus Christ offered to us through his cross and in the sacrament of Holy Communion is not divided, I request that we place a moratorium on the virtual sharing of the Lord's Supper until we have allowed ourselves sufficient time to come to a thoughtful and prayerful and collective understanding around such an important and significant question. That's that's one sentence. The practice, you see, this, this virtual communion, the practice of virtual communion of each person or individual household having their own bread and their own wine on the coffee table as a distant celebrant intones the sacred words of institution is problematic. And that's what the bishop is saying on several levels. On one level um, is an idea of Eucharistic individualism. Once the words have been spoken, the bread and wine consumed, well, the click of a mouse, you can disconnect and get on with Sunday morning activities. Is that church? The deed is done, but there was never any community, never any embodiment of the church. And so now let's turn to Paul and his words to the Corinthians. Paul wrote, again quoting from Corinthians, The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. In other words, participating in a communion of the body, the Eucharist, turns those gathered into the body of Christ, the church. The Eucharist makes the church, and the church makes the Eucharist, as Borsma sees it. They depend on one another. Or, as Ephesians puts it, the two become one flesh. Then Paul went on to write, this is a great mystery, and I am applying it to Christ and the church. Within a tradition that proclaims Christ's real presence in Holy Communion, virtual communion can said to be induced a novel doctrine, that of real absence. Churches, as history has known them, could be replaced, therefore, with production studios employing a disembodied celebrant, a kind of touchless communion. Could exacerbate, I submit to you, some of the most problematic features we've come to see during the course of our new normal. 
and further entrench things like loneliness and isolation, commercial exploitation sure to follow. And so this morning, again, I offer this for your consideration and your mindfulness in this and the coming days and months and years. I want Professor Borsma to have a final word. In his article, he wrote, in truth, the bodily presence of Christ in the wafer, the bread and wine, and the bodily presence of the believers in the church are two sides of the same coin. It's a practice that puts asunder what God has joined together. Catholic and evangelical expressions of consumerist individualism may be located on opposite sides of the theological spectrum, but both fail to recognize that body and body, Christ and church, are one and the same. When it comes to prioritizing the individual over the church, well, the difference is wafer thin. And so we end where we began, I'm afraid, with a question. Is the church a voluntary association of like-minded people? Or is the church the real body of Christ into which we are incorporated? Questions for the coming time, after or if, the church ever returns to its historical normal. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.